Ahead of Independence Day weekend, many indoor activities and businesses were shuttered across the state. While San Diego was not among those counties initially closed, current COVID-19 trends show that we will likely have to shut down as well come Monday. Governor Gavin Newsom's actions drew criticism, as many argued that the George Floyd protests were the cause of the region's spike. However, contact tracers have found that that isn't the case. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Michael Smolens, you're the political columnist for the Union-Tribune. Let's start with context. Give us an overview of the events that happened in June that led to this COVID-19 spike we're seeing across the nation. Well, uh, states and localities uh, reopened their economies, some uh, more quickly than others, and there was always concern about that. Uh, You know, the experts uh, from the very beginning uh, said certain things should be in place in terms of testing and tracing, and they weren't in follow-up, and they weren't as much in certain areas. Uh, California opened in a much more more of a measured way, uh, but as we've seen, we've had spikes here. So... They expected increases in cases with the uh, with the reopenings. I mean, anytime people are going to start coming in more contact, uh, complicating that. Or in addition to that, there was the question, of course, of the protests. Now, you know, on, on Memorial Day, which I think was May 25, George Floyd died while he was in custody of Minneapolis police officers setting off protests that are going on to this day in San Diego and across the nation. Mm-hmm. So there was concern, big concern among experts whether that was going to um, exacerbate things. And as you mentioned, that uh, the evidence so far, and you do have to emphasize so far because things can take lag time, but that hasn't appeared yet. Mm-hmm. And what exactly did health experts say in the beginning? So like the first week of June when the protests were quite intense in the beginning because it seems like messaging over time has shifted and that's kind of part of the confusion that people are experiencing. Well, I th- Experts have been pretty clear that that you know people in in you know uh, tightly gathered, uh, not wearing masks, uh, are at higher risk than those that are social distancing and wearing masks. And I think what they found was that a f- few things. That so they they were very concerned about this. They they thought it was a perfect setup for a big spread of, of the coronavirus. Why that hasn't happened, at least they haven't detected it so far, is that a they they noted that a lot of protesters were wearing masks. However, you know, if you review what's been going on, not all, and they haven't been necessarily social distancing, but the key factor may be that it was outdoors. Uh, that has it makes has made a big difference, it seems, so far. In the big outbreak cases that San Diego County has recorded, none have been from outdoor activity, whether it's protests, people going to the beach, or people uh, at parks and on trails. So that seems to be, as they're learning more, one key element of this, because Clearly, you would have thought, given how tightly people were packed in these protests, shouting at the top of their lungs, and of course that means projecting, uh, you know, the potential virus if they're uh, if they're uh, affected or infected. Um, that's understandable. They thought there was going to be a big bump there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, during that time, uh, especially in the first beginning weeks, people who were in a re- getting arrested and in a jail cell that's much more risky than being in a place where there's airflow and those, you know, those droplets with virus in it possibly would be less likely to be inhaled. Well, yes, and we've seen that uh, in, in, you know, prisons. I think San Quentin has had a big issue. There were some mistakes made in transferring uh, inmates, as I understand, 
but uh, it's spreading through. And yeah, that, that's uh, very much a, an area. But, you know, locally, what we've seen is uh, the bars and restaurants have become a concern. They were always a concern uh, of, you know, officials. They were among the, the bars were among the, the last to open because uh, bars by nature are usually closed in areas. Uh, people are up close talking. Um, and uh, and frankly, they never fail to mention that, you know, alcohol does uh, reduce inhibitions and pe people tend to talk more loudly over uh, in a crowded bar because they're, they're loud. So all those things combine. And I think we've seen that not just at bars, uh, but restaurants and also uh, social gathering at homes beyond just the immediate family. Uh, they can't, you know, go into people's homes, but they're trying to Obviously, they've put out some new restrictions. We haven't been affected by the state, but just locally, they've decided to, to basically close down bars that don't serve alcohol and really limit the operations and the hours of those bars and restaurants that, uh, that do serve food and, um, uh, and alcohol. Hmm. And throughout June, when was kind of the first warning sign that the reopening of bars and restaurants, and particularly bars, was a sign that COVID was spreading more intensely in the county. About when did that happen? Well, in the recent weeks, it's hard. Uh, I can't quite peg it. Like I said, that they always expected the reopening was going to bring more cases. The The question is, you know, was it uh, anticipated enough? I think that they've been surprised by how quickly the cases have happened. Um, they thought it was going to be over time. But you know, we had a story looking at uh, an unscientific survey, as our reporter said, that they went into places throughout the county. And they found that the businesses, the bars and restaurants were really adhering to the letter of what they're supposed to do in terms of, you know, having spaces in terms of lining up people, requiring people to wear masks until they were seated and other things. You know, it does tend to come down to individuals, I think. Uh, you know, there are some bad actors that have been, you know, dinged and penalized in terms of the business world. But most are trying. They want to stay open. But, you know, you've got uh, a lot of individuals that just either are blissfully unaware, don't think they're going to be affected. So they don't think about the fact that they could carry and spread to others. So that's unfortunately what uh, happened. And I think a lot of people saw that coming, just seeing how people were reacting from the outset. There was this notion that things are reopening. We're moving on. Well, you know, we're not moving on. Hmm, yeah. At this point, we're having to move back a little bit. And throughout this, can you describe the kind of political messaging we've been seeing from leaders in San Diego? Because it's been, you know, unique to see so much focus on the county. Uh, typically, you know, when you consider that governments, people don't really consider the, the county unless you're reporters like us that have to deal with it every day. Well, a lot of people are really unaware of what the, the, the county does. Uh, you know, the, 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 the focus is so much on the cities. Uh, because they control the jurisdictions where you know, more than half the people live in the county, and particularly the city of San Diego. I mean, it's you know one of the bigger cities in the country. Uh, but the county oversees health issues, and of course, this is a health care uh, health crisis, and so they're really at the forefront of this. And you do have some splits. Uh, there's a lot of politics involved and, and background uh, on the board of supervisors on ter in terms of you know, Nathan Fletcher, the lone Democrat and a very close ally of Governor Newsom, has always been in the more, let's open more methodically and slower camp. Then you've got uh, Supervisor Kristen Gaspar and Supervisor Jim Desmond uh, really wanting to expedite opening businesses. 
they're still saying we've got to do the precautions and they don't want to leap ahead of anything. So there's been a fair amount of tension there um, and, frankly, some sniping between them, particularly uh, Nathan Fletcher and Kristen Gaspar. You know, beyond the, uh, the aspect of the, the health concerns and the reopenings and closings, she's a Republican up for re-election. Uh, her election uh, or defeat would swing the balance of the board of supervisors. We could have a Democratic majority with Nathan Fletcher as the chair if she loses. If she doesn't, then he's still in the minority, though he would pick up a second person. It would be a 3-2 balance one way or the other. So it's hard to pin that on all this, but there is that subtext. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Supervisor Fletcher has really been the face of the COVID response. How do you think he's navigated this position and also having to be kind of the, the tough guy of, of holding up these restrictions that, you know, are unpopular, but to a degree necessary? Well, I mean, let's not uh, forget that, that uh, Dr. Wilma Wooten is the county's chief, uh, you know, health officer. And she's the one that really, you know, determines in cons- consultation with uh, all sorts of folks, what should happen? Um, you know, is she listening to the board of supervisors? I, I'm, I'm sure, but but they are following her lead. So Nathan Fletcher is reporting out because he's on the, the coronavirus task force of the county board of supervisors, and just for a lot of uh, different reasons has more over more taken over the the briefing burden and duties. And so um, you know he's uh, he's become uh, sort of the the like you say, the face of and, and, and an easy target also because he does have a distinct view that that uh, we should be more cautious than perhaps we have been or some of his colleagues would like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the, the key examples of the importance of political messaging has been the whole mask issue in which only recently have you seen national Republicans kind of really push the need for masks because if you don't have those precautions, you'll be in the position that some southern states are finding themselves in, and now California, of having to tool back those restrictions because cases are getting out of control. That that's true. It's uh, it's it's good. It's unfortunate that that it's been sort of a partisan split uh, on the whole mask issue. Uh, you know, there's a lot of philosophic issues of individual freedom or collective liberty because you know by me not wearing a mask, if I become infected and don't know it. I could jeopardize a lot of other people. Uh, so it's not just uh, you know, a personal freedom issue. But beyond that, uh, let's remember that early on, you know, it's great that everybody is concerned about the health and welfare of Americans anywhere. But this hit hardest at the beginning in blue states, democratic states, and big democratic cities, New York in particular, but um, you know, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and so forth. And there was a fair amount of sniping or, you know, uh, some Republicans were criticizing the Democratic cities and the management like this is a Democratic problem. You know, in retrospect, it certainly seems that was pretty short-sighted because coronavirus doesn't care about snap judgments, doesn't care about uh, political lines, and we're seeing that now. It's very interesting because, you know, for the a couple months, you saw the, the COVID lines like really skyrocket in the Democratic areas because a lot of the major cities were there, are there. And then, uh, you know, for like, you know, late March, April, May, it was pretty, went up and it was pretty consistent. And just in the last several weeks, a few weeks, it's really skyrocketed in the red states. That has gotten Republicans' attention. I think that, and also you're seeing some issues about the economy 
Goldman Sachs just put out a, a study they did saying that, that if 95% of the people wore masks, it would save uh, a 5% drop in the uh, gross domestic product because it would allow people to go back to work more quickly. I think that gets people's attention in addition to the fact that there are numerous studies that show lives will be saved if people wear masks uh, routinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the fact that this virus can take up to two weeks to incubate in your body before you may or may not show symptoms makes it the true challenge is that as a culture, we like things to be quick and fast. And when you're dealing with a crisis that you can't see coming, like these case numbers, these are people that got infected in the second and third weeks of June, which, you know, at the rate in which news is happening feels light years ago. So it's kind of against our collective American conscious to to fight this battle just because it kind of goes against all of our habits that, in a sense, hurt us in this position. Right. And your instincts are that, that uh, you know, well, I feel fine uh, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, back when people were warning and being concerned about the gathering at bars and stuff, nothing much seemed to happen. Um, but, you know, you raise a good point about the, the two weeks getting back to the protests. That's why just in recent days, really, you're seeing a, a you know, spate of stories and studies uh, showing that there just hasn't been a link uh, on big outbreaks of the coronavirus related to the protests because they didn't know. I mean, it takes a, a while to, to do that kind of tracing for it to a incubate and then to track it down. That's not to say it won't change. Uh, there's lag time, as I've said before. Uh, so, you know, nobody's like absolutely declaring, well, that fear is over with, but it does seem to be that, that it, it hasn't uh, happened much and we'll just have to see how it turns out in the future. Mm-hmm. And one other political moment throughout this was when a uh, Supervisor Jim Desmond had the comment about, quote, pure COVID deaths, basically arguing that only at the time a few number of people without any underlying conditions, you know, passed away from COVID. Therefore, people shouldn't be as concerned. Since then, has he walked back that statement at all? Because he certainly garnered lots of negative attention when that initially came out. Well, I don't think he's used those figures. And of course, the figures have changed. But no, he, he's not going there. I mean, he is pointing out, he is sort of suggesting that it may not be as bad as we think. He's not necessarily denying numbers, but there are different ways to look at the numbers like that. And a lot of people didn't think that was proper. Uh, I think what you learn from those numbers, though, is that, yeah, what do you do? You know, are there ways to protect the more vulnerable and allow other people to, to unfortunately, to say it, to have more freedom? What we're finding now is that a lot of young people, a lot more young people uh, are coming down with this and getting sick. They probably won't die at the rate of older people with uh, with underlying conditions, but it's become a serious thing. And, you know, there's this term underlying conditions. I mean, it would be good to see more specifics on that. I mean, is it high blood pressure, which it could be? Is it a multiple things? Is it, uh, you know, asthma? Uh, we we don't know. And these are things that uh, some folks suggest, well, you know, they were sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, not disabled, but handicapped to a degree because they, they had, you know, a strike or two against them because they had these underlying conditions. People live full lives with these underlying conditions. And uh, I'm seeing more of a movement and people saying, well, why are we even identifying that? We don't do that with other deaths, uh, with the flu. We don't, you know, we do point out that sometimes they're older people are more vulnerable and stuff like that. So that debate is going on. But uh, it, the notion that the, you know, sole coronavirus, coronavirus death 
really hasn't caught on, um, you know, apart from people like Jim Desmond and frankly, some people in the conservative media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one also kind of culture changing moment in this crisis is that we're seeing the scientific method work in action. And that's always a conversation in which you test a hypothesis, sometimes it's wrong, and then you move on to the next one. We like answers that are clean and fit in a box. So when we see the science develop, that's where these tensions about mask wearing or underlying conditions kind of come because we're seeing this conversation happen in real time. Well, in real time, and, uh, you know, I mentioned that the coronavirus doesn't care about political lines and red and blue states. Um, You know, it also, we are in the 24-hour news cycle. People make snap assessments. And, but at the same time, everybody knew or certainly should have known that this is a mysterious virus. We don't know a lot about it, and we're learning as we go along. As you point out, that that uh, the you know experts, the health officials, were sort of ambivalent, not to uh, you know much emphasizing mask wearing. Some didn't think it made much of a difference. Now, uniformly, they do. That's you know it seems like a long time ago, but it's really been a matter of weeks that that the consensus has grown to mass. So you know it's hard to fault people for being a little bit confused, but I think that that you know, they, people like to make snap judgment, particularly when it fits their perspective. Uh, you know, we talked about the underlying uh, conditions and older people being more vulnerable. I think in a way that emboldened younger people thinking that they were bulletproof and so they're going to do what they want to do as they have before. I mean, A, that's a little irregardless of how they may be spreading it, but now we're seeing that they are actually catching it and, uh, you know, uh, paying some consequence. Mm-hmm. And also, if you consider the national policy failure of containing this virus in March and April, this kind of puts many Republicans in an awkward position. How do you feel that non-Trumpish Republicans should use this moment to not lose political favor? Because, you know, if you just lump yourself with the president, this could hurt you in November. Well, that's that's true. I I mean, who knows? Things move so fast. Uh, Who knows what people will be thinking? Before this happened, you had some Republicans in certain areas, very pro-Trump areas, uh, continuing to support the president, and they do today. Uh, mm-hmm. His base isn't going to go anywhere, uh, largely. And um, But you also had some other Republicans uh, keeping their distance. You know, or, or perhaps best known, our Mayor Kevin Faulkner is you know, very much a, a moderate Republican, and he's balanced. He deals with the president. I mean, he's the biggest city Republican mayor in the country. So he's pretty prominent. Um, he does not criticize the, the the president, but he certainly doesn't embrace him and uh, and su- doesn't support you know many of his policies. Mm-hmm. So that I, I don't know how much that has really changed. Uh, but what was interesting is that uh, you know the political calculus has changed. That now that red states are so affected that you have all these Republican senators and GOP leaders really kind of pushing the president to you know, to stop it on the mask reluctance. And he just did so this past week uh, that he's, you know, sort of turned the corner on that because I mm-hmm. think that they realize that's a real political liability going down the, the stretch. Certainly. And what you consider what we as a nation have been through, not only in this crisis, but kind of in the past half decade, I suppose, with rising divisions between age, class, race, made worse by social media that further, you know, polarizes us. Do you think that the discussion about our intrinsic politics 
is it to the point where it can actually transform? Or do you think we're going to have to go through even more troubles in a broad sense for things to change in a fundamental way? Boy, that's a that's a, a big, big question. And I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you know, we're in the heat of the moment uh, right now. It seems like things are changing. You know, you've got so many things going on. But let's take the, the, the racial justice issues and the, mm-hmm. the protests. You know, there's been this big move, I think, you know, the term defund police is a bad term. I mean, that, that scares a lot of people. But I think what it means to a lot of folks is should we be looking at better ways to keep public safety by shifting some money to social programs to get at the, the you know roots of, of, uh, of, of crime and, and, and poverty and things like that? That's a discussion that's going to go on. It's been going on. And um, what you're seeing is, uh, frankly, you know, a, a lot of white people are now understanding what black folks have been talk black people have been talking about for some time and they're getting on board and that's a big change so that may be a, a real catalyst but again you know uh everything is so transitory this it seems like what you mentioned a, a bit ago what happened a couple few weeks ago seems like another lifetime we'll see uh you know we went through this in the 70s i think with a lot of racial uh strife and there were you know moves to, to amend things. And there have been improvements, but here we are today. Mm-hmm. Certainly. It, it seems like many things are moving at the same time. So it'll be curious to see what America looks like a year or two down the road. <laughs> or even this fall. Mm-hmm. All right, Michael Smolens, thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel. In other news, COVID-19 delivered an early unwelcome fireworks display in San Diego Thursday with explosions of cases and outbreaks that broke previous records. There were 584 new cases confirmed, which is nearly 100 more than the previous record set Sunday. Also, 10 new additional community outbreaks were confirmed Thursday, which puts the county three times over the seven mark, which is the trigger for public health concern. Thursday's totals underscore a week's worth of statements from county officials who have repeatedly implored the public to continue to socially distance, wear masks, and wash hands, especially during the holiday weekend. Although many surrounding counties are dialing back their reopening strategies as COVID-19 cases climb, businesses in other locations across San Diego remain open. Most of the region's beaches are open to the public, and although large parties are still banned under the county's public health order, community parks pools and hiking trails are still accessible. But this upcoming weekend is likely to be the last before state-imposed restrictions take a variety of indoor activities off the table again. San Diego News Fix is hosted and edited by myself, Daniel Wheaton. This podcast editor is Digital Creative Director, Beto Alvarez. Due to Independence Day, I'll be taking Friday off. Next episode will be Monday. If you want to join in on our recordings, Like the Union Tribune on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where you will see when we go live in the afternoons. Feel free to ask questions by commenting, and I'll work them into the conversation live. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.